Like a Midas touch by the very first time I make decisions with my wallet, not my mind Too much money for one person to control Ooh, audacity will not buy back your soul Hello, welcome to Too Much Money, the podcast that asks, does being a billionaire make you crazy or do you need to be crazy to be a billionaire? I'm. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Dory Shafrier. And I'm Joe Piazza. And we are not billionaires, but we love talking about them and we know that you love listening about them because we've gotten so many emails and so many comments about things like, what kinds of episodes should we do next? Should we should we tell everyone our email again, Doris? Yes, let's do that. It's too much money podcast at gmail.com. We love getting your messages. Please send us emails. Let us know what you think of the episodes. Let us know if you have ideas for future episodes. Let us know if you're a billionaire and you want us to do an episode on you. We're open oh, to that would be fun. We're totally open to that. We're we're open to um, sponsored episodes by yeah, billionaires. <laughs> this is this is a new foray, Dory. Oh like gosh. we we could maybe become billionaires if billionaires want to sponsor this podcast to air their billionaire grievances. That is genius. So yes. just saying, just yes. saying. Let's do that. <sighs> well, Joe. Today, we are talking about islands. Ooh, I like an island. I like an island because it's cold right now. It's cold here on the East Coast. I know that you're on the other coast, but it's rainy yeah, but there where you are. It's cold and rainy here, too. It's been raining for two days. Mudslides are happening. Not where I live. Like, I live kind of in a pretty flat urban area, but in the hills, oh, boy. Yeah, no, I've seen. I've seen. I watch the news. I watch yeah, the news. But you yeah. watch the news. Yeah, when it's cold. And and wet, and I think that we we fantasize about islands. Totally. But if you're a, if you're a billionaire, that fantasy is not just a reality. But you just go buy the fucking island. Yeah, it's like, oh, you want to take a vacation? Well, fuck, just going to a hotel. <laughs> Let me buy the whole island. <laughs> Let me um, buy the island. So, yeah. So, we're actually talking about a specific island today. We're talking about the island of Lanai, which is one of the Hawaiian islands. And it is owned, well, it is mostly owned, 98% of it is owned by Larry Ellison, the founder of Oracle. 
So let that sink in. 98% of the island is owned by Larry Ellison. Now, you know, when we talk about private islands. This is a state, islands, by the way. This is a state in America. Right. Like, I think. Hawaii. Hawaii is an American state. and Hawaii, Lanai, Hawaii is an American state. And Lanai is one of its islands. Yes. And, like, when I think about very wealthy people buying islands, my mental image is usually, like, an island off the coast of Maine where there's one house. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not yes. like a 90,000-acre island with a population of over 3,000 people. Like, that feels like a different scenario to me. <laughs> it is a different scenario. I, you know, I have some friends whose family used to have money, like, back, uh-huh. in, the, back in the Gilded Age. Yeah. And... Yeah, yeah. And they have those kinds of islands off the coast of Maine. I mean, it's just like a rock. You own a rock and there's a house on it. Yes. But sometimes there's water on all sides, so it's an island. Right. (laughs) But this is is a major part of the Hawaiian state. Yeah. So Larry Ellison bought this island in 2012 for $300 million dollars. Which that actually quite, that honestly, seems kind of like a bargain. I, I completely agree. I was like, this doesn't seem like that much, considering that there are houses for sale in Los Angeles, single houses that people have put on the market for two like $200 million for one house. And he bought a whole island, again, that people live on <laughs> for $300 million. So I'm like, oh, he kind of got a bargain. It does feel um, that way. It, it does granted, feel that it was, way, yes. It was 12 years ago, but still, still, this feels like a bargain. Um, so what did he buy? He bought most of the, he bought the, the two hotels on the island. Um, he basically, and he basically bought like most of the businesses, most of the homes, like most of the land. Um, there were a few... When he bought it, there were a few businesses that he did not buy that he has since bought. Um, so he really owns most of the island. Um, and when he bought it, the, the the general sentiment on the island was one of like optimism and excitement because he had all these grand plans. He said he was going to turn it into like a model for sustainability he was going to do some like much needed renovations and people were you know excited about this um uh, we'll go into the history of line in a bit but it, it had been kind of i don't want to say like totally neglected but like it needed some help when mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Larry Ellison bought it and people were like okay he's going to put he's going to invest in it like this is going to be good and the perspective pretty quickly changed Ooh, that sounds ominous. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I mean, ominous. Can we play the Law and Order chimes? Dun, 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 dun. Uh-huh. How's That's, that? <laughs> I think. Thanks. Uh, you're welcome. Um, so I want to just, first I want to start with what his 
plan ostensibly was. And then we'll go back and talk about the history of the island. So there was a meeting in 2013 where the president of his development company um, like showed the vision for the island. Um, Ellison was going to build a third resort on the island on the uninhabited southwestern coast. He was going to build a complex of private estates, around 50 of them. Each of them would have more five or more acres. He wanted to expand Lanai's airport. He was going to add a bigger runway to accommodate direct flights from the mainland for the first time. Like you could only fly to Lanai from Oahu, Maui. Maybe the big island? Like, you could only fly from to Lanai from another island or take a ferry. You couldn't fly direct. Um, he was going to build a desalination plant to produce more fresh water. He was going to expand Lanai City, which is the, like, the one city on the island, um, build an energy park. There was going to be electricity produced with solar, plant, solar panels. Or photosynthesizing algae would be fed into a new smart grid. He would bring commercial agriculture back to the island. Um, he wanted to see the island's population double to about 6,000 people. There was also talk of organic wineries, flower farms, uh, hydroponics operations, aquaponics that would raise fish and fruit and vegetables. There would be a bowling alley, a film studio, oh, a tennis nice. academy, all of these plans. Now, this was 2013. This was the vision he laid out in 2013. And now in 2024, um, almost none of these have come to fruition. It's a long time to not check things off your to-do list, yep. Larry Ellison. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So let's talk about how we got here. One yeah. And, and well, yes. can we? So I know who Larry Ellison is. Yes. Should we update our audience on, on who he is first? Sure. Because, you know, he's, yeah. he, is, he is a well-known billionaire, but maybe not a household name billionaire. Yeah. So Larry Ellison founded Oracle, um, which is a tech company. He, I think he now he is the third wealthiest person in the world. He is a, he is a billionaire is billionaire. He's mm. not like a like a single billy. He's do he doesn't have one billion dollars. He has like I think he has close to seventy billion dollars. Like he is extremely extremely wealthy. Um, he is also known for his. This is a this is a quote from a Bloomberg Business Week article on him that came out a couple years ago. He's known for his ruthlessness and ego. Mm hmm. Yeah, Which, I mean that sounds right. Know, That's like billionaires. Yes, exactly. Like, like I'm reading this and I'm thinking, okay, this is like a this is a pretty common description of most of the billionaires that we have talked about. So here's an example. There was a uh, Microsoft had a federal antitrust trial, and Oracle admitted that they had hired private investigators to try to find incriminating evidence because Microsoft was like Oracle's chief rival. And they like, they tried to pay janitors to hand over trash, <laughs> like, like, like dirty stuff. Um, he also loves the quote. It is not sufficient that I succeed. All others must fail. 
which is a Genghis Khan quote, but he has said it so much that it is now often misattributed to him. (laughs) Really? Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. People just mix me up with Genghis Khan all the time. It would only be worse if someone's like, oh, I hate it when people mix me up with Hannibal Lecter all the time. (laughs) That's so hard. I mean, this is, this feels like a point of pride for him, right? Like, you know, why would he say it so much? (laughs) Oh, no, he Um, loves it. He loves it. it. Yeah. I mean, if he, like, it sounds like he's the kind of dude that would make a woman in bed call him Genghis Khan. I'm just saying. Um, He's also a huge Republican mega donor. Okay. Shocking. That's shocking. Um, His children, David Ellison and Megan Ellison, are both in Hollywood. David Ellison runs a company called Skydance, and Megan Ellison runs a company called Annapurna. Um, So, you know, kind of classic, like, rich kid (laughs) activities. Um, that's just kind of an aside. He also owns, uh, I mean, he just, he, he owns so much shit. Like he, uh, owns the America's cup. Um, he just like, he just, you know, he does a lot of, he, he, he just has his, fingers in a lot of pots and he loves consolidating money and power. He's like, his buddies are like Elon Musk and you know, Mm -hmm. he's yeah. Yeah. Those guys, those guys, you get the picture. Oh, I get the picture friend. I get the picture. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. right, So how do you buy this freaking Island? How do you buy this? island? So he bought the Island from a fellow billionaire named David Murdoch. Okay. Who, um, owned a company called Castle and Cook, which owned Dole Foods. And Dole Foods ran pineapple plantations on Lanai. So when David Murdoch bought Castle and Cook, he also acquired Lanai. Wait, he got he got this like in a deal like he bought yes. a company he bought a company and then they were yes. also like you get a, an island with it basically um so i'll give kind of the brief history of lanai i don't want to get like too in the weeds here but mm-hmm. you know it's kind of it's like it is it's a tragic story of colonialism essentially um you know you can what isn't? What isn't? What isn't? I don't, you know, I don't want to go too deep into like the history of Hawaii and the United States, but like it's not a pretty story. Um there were Hawaiians living on Lanai for hundreds of years. And then a a, a kind of like a charlatan named Walter Murray Gibson um who said he was a Mormon but was probably just saying he was a Mormon so that he could buy land in the name of using the Church of Latter-day Saints as money, but then he put the deeds in his name. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> and so then he basically owned like most of Lanai, passed it to his daughter, um, 
Then there were a few other owners. No one could like really figure out what to do with it. They tried ranching sheep. They tried sugarcane. Um, and then they started growing pineapples. And James Drummond Dole, who was a guy who had a pineapple company on o- Oahu, was like, oh, cool. <laughs> let me uh, let me get in here. Um, and he bought the island in 1922 and for $1.1 million. And it basically became like a, it became a pineapple plantation. And most of the people who lived on the island worked on the plantation. Um, it was mostly Japanese and Filipino workers. In 1930, Lanai City had 3,000 residents. The island was exporting 65,000 tons of pineapple a year. Um, it, you know, it it had the sort of like benevolent plantation owner vibe. Like they had a golf course. They had an athletics program. He wanted to keep his workers happy. Um, and then enter David Murdoch. And in 1992, the pineapple that he closed down the pineapple plantation because it was, it was uh, the prices for pineapples had gone down. Um, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't the moneymaker that it used to be. And he was like, I'm going to make this a tourist economy. So he built two resorts. Um, and, got the four seasons to run them. Everyone who had worked for the pineapple plantation now, basically now started working for the hotels. <laughs> you do, yeah. A hundred percent. Cause you do what you got to do. Yeah. Um, and he, and Murdoch was, you know, he was putting money into the Island, but like 20 to $30 million a year, he says, um, but it wasn't enough. It seems like he, like he didn't it's from what i gather it sounds like he didn't really like love running this island <laughs> do billionaires think about you know what it is like to be the owner of an island where there are actual people living there whose livelihoods you should be caring for i mean it's like is there any forethought at all of hey maybe i won't like being a despot well, I think with Murdoch, it was a little, co- it was more complicated because when he gained control of the island, it was a pineapple plantation. And then the economics of the pineapple plantation sort of stopped making sense. And he tried to transition to tourism, but like that wasn't his milieu. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it sounds like from like other descriptions that I've read, he that he's he was described as a polarizing character. <laughs> um, this is a okay. quote from again from the business we guard all he impatient with pineapple pickers who were retraining as waiters, bellhops, or maids, known to get into screaming matches with people at community meetings. Over his decades in charge, the hotels grew run down, the community pool began to look uninviting, and a last-ditch play to install hundreds of energy-generating wind turbines went nowhere. Okay, so let's take a break, because now you have the scene before Ellison comes to town. (laughs) Um, And that's what Ellison, that's what Ellison buys. So let's take a break, and, and we'll be right back. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We're back. I think, you know, when we talk about Ellison buying Lanai, I think a lot of people like overlook the context and it it does kind of make it sound that he just like swooped in and bought this island when in fact the island had already been owned by a billionaire. Like yes, he was just I, buying yeah. it from another billionaire. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and <laughs> you know, Murdoch kind of like what we were talking about before how Ellison is like a billionaire's billionaire, like Murdoch was a small billionaire. He only had like $2 billion. So, you know, to him, maybe spending all this money on this island that like wasn't really working sort of got old for him. Okay. Is, is the sense that I get. He's so like, then, boring. Yeah, exactly. So, so then Ellison is like, great. And he, so Ellison has always, he always loved Hawaii. He had a home on Lanai. And when the island came up for sale, he was like, yes, I want to do this. Um, and he gave an interview in 2012, a TV interview, um, right around the time that he bought the island. And he said, what we're going to do is turn Lanai into a model for sustainable enterprise. We are going to support the local people and help them start these businesses. And... Okay. It, I just, it just, it feels like such a technocracy. Like yes. just a billionaire thinking that they can swoop in and fix things with technology. Totally. Yes. Yes. Well, and also turn a place into a playground for himself and his friends. And I think what we see as the years go on is that he's not, really interested in having people live on the island and make a living on the island that are not in some way serving him and his 
cohort's needs. So you have this very feudal relationship where it's like Ellison and these other very wealthy people who are buying like $10 million estates on the island who need this basically surf class of people working for them, but they don't want the middle class around. The middle class are just annoying to them. They have needs that they don't want to fulfill. They want poor people who want to work for them and not complain. And then they want the super rich people who are just going to be, you know, enjoying their dinners at Nobu and hanging out with Larry on his yacht. Two questions, two yes. really important questions there that I'm sure yes. our listeners have as well. Yes. Is there a Nobu on the island? Oh, there sure is, Joe. That is one of the first things that Larry Ellison did. Larry Ellison loves Nobu. Larry, I mean, Nobu, so do I. Nobu so is like I. Larry Ellison's cafeteria. <laughs> so one of the first things he did, so there were these two Four Seasons hotels on the island. One was at the beach and one was formerly called like the Lodge and it was um, inland. And he renovated the one at the beach first and he put a Nobu in. Now, full disclosure, I have been to this hotel. So in... 2017 my husband and I went to Hawaii my sister my sister went to Cornell's hotel school <laughs> she doesn't she's a lawyer she doesn't work in hotels but we've we've talked about this yes yes mm-hmm. but as a result she has friends who work in hotels including a friend who for I don't know if he still is but for a long time he worked as the general manager of a Four Seasons hotel. And so he was able to get like friends and family rates on Four Seasons hotels. Um, And he very generously got us a friends and family rate at the Four Seasons hotel in Maui, which was later the setting of White Lotus and the Four Seasons hotel in Lanai. Wow. Yes. Okay. Tell me everything. Tell me everything. And then I have another question for you, but first, first this, first this. Okay, so my memory of the hotel in Lanai is that it's tr- it was truly like one of the more beautiful plate like hotels I'd ever seen. The setting is spectacular. The hotel itself is everything is like so tasteful. You know, the the toilet was like the highest end toto. <laughs> warming bidet toilet um like every detail was just so perfectly done um and we ate at the nobu it was my it was around my birthday so we we ate at the nobu for my birthday it was delicious um and but everything was like like you couldn't get away from the hotel kind of like there was nothing to do in lanai that wasn't for tourists, it felt maybe there was, but it, it it felt like there was nothing to do in Lanai that wasn't somehow connected to the hotel. So we did one afternoon, we did like skeet shooting, and that was an activity that was like arranged by the hotel, um, and it was very fun. But it, like it all, it, it there was a little bit, there was a, a somewhat a little bit of a strange vibe, um. But it was beautiful and lovely. And I 
and I think now it has gotten even more expensive. <laughs> um, so I definitely don't think we could afford to go back. But um, yeah, so I have I have been there. Um, he has since, so when we went there, the other four seasons, the lodge was closed for renovations and Larry Ellison has since turned it into one of his sensei hotels. Have you heard of these hotels? <laughs> no, no, I have not heard of these hotels, which is crazy because I mean, I do still dabble as a travel writer sometimes, but I haven't heard this. Okay. So sensei hotels are kind of designed as like wellness hotels and they're own they're they're owned by larry ellison like they're his hotels uh, yes okay. um mm -hmm. there's a nobu at every sensei hotel <laughs> he does love nobu he loves nobu um so, okay, this is on their website. At our well-being retreats, dedicated sensei guides and highly trained practitioners support your well-being journey with evidence-based practices, cutting-edge technology, and enriching knowledge to deepen the impact of your stay. Find what inspires you through personalized wellness experiences and programs set within some of the most restorative and beautifully designed resorts in the world. Um, so right now they have the one on Lanai and then they have one um, in like near Palm Springs because Larry Ellison also owns the BNB Paribas Indian Wells tennis tournament. Oh. <laughs> do you see his, do you see his, like his, his brain? Mm -hmm. Like he's like, I own this, I own this tennis tournament in Indian Wells. Um, and so I will build one of my, hotels right next to it so that whenever I go to my tennis tournament I, I can, can stay, stay at my I can stay at my own hotel yes I can stay at my own hotel I can have my friends stay at my own hotel it's all this like big loop it's a okay. it's a circle jerk is what it is okay don't worry it is, it, okay it is a circle jerk it's a, it circle, a circle jerk, jerk. yeah um okay let me see it oh we should take another break all right, all right, let's put let's take another okay. break. Here for let's it. do that. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay. Do you, before, before we continue, yes. I, my, my other question I was going to ask, how big is, is Larry Ellison's yacht? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I just, I, I feel like, because you mentioned his yacht and I feel like how big your yacht is, is really a measure of a billionaire's worth and value in the world. And I just want to know if his yacht is bigger than Bezos yacht. 
Well, he has multiple yachts. Um, he has the Musashi, which is a 288-foot yacht. Um, let's see. Maybe he does. Maybe that's the only yacht he actually owns. Um, yeah, that might be the only yacht he actually owns. He also owns, um, multiple jets. Um, you know, it's just classic, classic billionaire stuff. <laughs> just billionaire. Billionaires be billionaireing. Billionaires always be billionaireing. Um, okay. So, you know, as I mentioned before, Larry Ellison kind of came in pretty hot when he bought Lanai. Um, and he, like, he, he has said that, like uh, okay there was a there was a public meeting not long after he bought the island um that i mentioned before and the the representative also said this is from the new york times magazine an ellison representative explained that his boss wasn't drawn to the island by the potential for profits but by the potential for a great accomplishment the satisfaction one day of having made the place work. For Ellison, it seemed Lanai was less like an investment than like a classic car up on blocks in the middle of the Pacific that he had become obsessed with restoring. He wants to transform it into a premier tourist destination, what he has called the first economically viable 100% green community, an innovative, self-sufficient dreamscape of renewable energy, electric cars, and sustainable agriculture. Now... Okay, sorry. I said Ellison was worth about seventy billion. He's actually, I guess, worth about ninety billion. <laughs> Tori, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got that wrong. Um, I mean, I mean, it's just it's unfair to the man that you left twenty billion on the table. It is very unfair to the man. So there was a big um, Business Week article that I've mentioned that came out in about almost two years ago in June, 2022, that kind of looked at what had happened on Lanai over the past 10 years. And the, the, the takeaway is like mixed, very mixed. So, you know, he has done some like amazing renovation and construction projects. He totally redid these two hotels. Um, but it's been a little rough, I think, um, because it, you know, well, okay. He's also like, he's renovated the pool. He's renovated the movie theater, but he's also like bought up other homes and businesses. He bought up the grocery store. He bought up the gas station, the community newspaper. There was a non-Four Seasons hotel. He bought that. Um, he never appears in public. He doesn't give interviews about Lanai. Like he's very secretive about everything. The small businesses on Lanai are not doing well. He started instituting a policy of 30-day leases for, for small businesses, which is 
unheard of. Like, I guess most small businesses, like if you get a commercial lease, it's like five years and it's hard to get um, loans. Like no bank is going to lend to a small business with a 30 day lease. No, everything, everything is controlled by his development company. Um, And it's been really hard, I think, for a lot of the people who live there. Um, and, and there's a real housing crisis on the island. Like there's never, there's never anything for sale. Um, the only people who are like living there who are not super rich are his construction workers and people who work at the Four Seasons. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's been that's been very, very tough. Um, and as of 2022, as Business Week pointed out, they, ha- they have nothing to show for some of its flashiest promises, including that it would build a tennis academy, a desalination plant, a university, and a film studio. So the only things that he's kind of added as term- in terms of like the sustainability that he promised was um, a Tesla supercharging station. Mm-hmm. There is a hydroponic farm and he has gotten academics to do things like track rainfall. <laughs> so not a lot of these lofty promises that he came out of the gate with. Um, his development company, which is called Pulama, um, people... What, is that, what does that mean? It's a good question. Um... It means to cherish or treasure. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't even, I, we can just let that sit because we don't have to comment on that. I get yep. it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, you know, there's some people who it seems like have kind of figured out how to play the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like they're... His, there was a woman that Business Week interviewed who owns a gift shop and manages rental properties um, for when Ellison has employees who are visiting. And, and she she is quoted as saying, he's amazing. And then she says, don't bite the hand that feeds you, please. So there's definitely this like, again, like plantation mentality that he is like the benevolent, like Henry Ford, you know, esque figure but the problem with that is that the second he changes his mind like you're done there's no recourse there's no appeal he can do whatever he wants right i mean this this is why you know entire revolutions have been fought against one rich person being the ruler over other people yeah yeah so for example um, in October 2022, he said that he wanted to build a private microgrid, electricity microgrid on Lanai just for his two resorts. Which, so right now they're on a grid owned by Hawaiian Electric. Now, the problem with that is that it then makes electricity more expensive for everyone else. Loads right. dropping off the grid because rate payers find it more economic to generate part or all of their electricity needs on their own can lead to a utility death spiral. 
said an energy expert who lives on the big island. This happens when energy, when higher rates lead customers to partially or completely defect from the grid, decreasing revenue to the utility, leading to even higher electric rates and prompting even more to go off grid. So you see how his choices are framed in the language of sustainability, right? Because he's saying, oh, this this grid is going to be powered by photovoltaic and battery energy storage systems, positively contributing to Lanai's renewable energy future. And it's like, okay, but in the meantime... (laughs) screwing over everyone else in the meantime you're screwing over everybody else i mean it's so elizabeth holmesy to be honest it's like fake it till you make it this i this idea would be really cool but we're we're not gonna do that or we can't do that i mean it's Mm -hmm. just look you guys know how i feel about the tech world after living in san francisco for three years i'm not a fan yeah, I mean, it, you know, it also has echoes to me of Sam Bankman-Fried's, like, uh, ef- effective altruism. Uh, yes, 100%. 100%. You know, this idea that, like, we know better than everyone else, and we're going to save the world. In the meantime, the rest of you peons, like, might get screwed, but that's okay, because, like, we're using photovoltaic electricity, <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so condescending is what it is. Totally. A thousand percent. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what happens on Lanai. I I don't see a way out of it for like the people who live there. Like I think Ellison is just going to kind of continue to consolidate his control um, and sort of act with impunity because he can. So, well, I mean, do you think that the Four Seasons Lanai would sponsor this podcast? <laughs> we'll probably get a cease and desist from them. <laughs> Oh, is that a no, Dory? Because all press is good press. I mean, look, what do I know? I know nothing. Maybe they will. (laughs) Maybe. Never say never. Never say never. Think like a billionaire, Dory. I'm going to think like a billionaire and I'm going to I'm going to save up to buy an island. I'm going to save my pennies. (laughs) No, you wouldn't you wouldn't like being being in charge of an island. You would oh, you were very right. good. You were very good at many things, but you don't want to run an island. No, I, I not really and don't. and you know what? Neither does Larry Ellison. He wants a playground. He doesn't want to have to deal with all of the stuff that comes up. And he certainly doesn't want to have to deal with anyone who like, you know, dissents or or tries to go against what he's doing. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? There's other playgrounds you can buy for $300 million where you don't have to deal with people. It's so true. It's so true. (sighs) Well, Joe, that is my, uh, 
report on Lanai and Larry Ellison. I loved that. This was this oh, was a romp. You. This was thank a romp. Thank you so and, much. And you know, I I will say a lot of billionaires have private islands. So we we have so much more to cover in the private island space that this is not the last that we're going to be talking about them. Oh no, 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 definitely not. Definitely not. Well, Joe, thanks for coming on this journey with me. Thanks everyone for listening. Don't forget to email us at too much money podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you at the, at the four seasons. <laughs> we'll see you there for sure. All right. Bye. Bye guys. Like a Midas touch by the very first time. I make decisions with my wallet, not my mind.